today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA answer your questions on the 4% rule for retirement withdrawals, what to do before and after age 59 and a half, whether to invest in the Roth or traditional thrift savings plan, and of course, their specialty, answering your Roth conversion questions. But first, the fellas answer a question from Joe's very good friend, Mike, about VTSAX, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. It comes very highly recommended by some investing gurus, so why shouldn't all of your money be in it? I'm producer Andy Last, and if you have a money question or comment, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com, scroll down, and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send it in as an email or as a voice message, just like Mike did. Hey, Joe, Big Al. Hey, huge fan of the show. I'm stationed overseas in the Navy here and uh, always enjoy listening to your podcast. So I just finished reading The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Uh, In summary, Mr. Collins is a huge advocate of Vanguard funds because of the extremely low expense ratios. Uh, Specifically, he recommends putting all your holdings in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, uh, which is comprised of nearly 3,700 U.S. domestic companies while you're in your wealth accumulation phase. Uh, the fund has an expense ratio of 0.04, so that's 400 bucks per $100,000 invested. Uh, and it's averaged about 11.9% uh, return over the last 40 years from 1975 to 2015. Uh, and of course, that doesn't include the last four years of uh, these incredible gains in the market. Uh, and I know past performance doesn't guarantee future returns, uh, but when I look at our portfolio with my current financial advisor, we have over a dozen different mutual funds and ETFs uh, to include 35% international funds, uh, all with an average expense ratio of about 0.38. So, uh, Mr. Collins doesn't believe in international funds because of added risk and expense. Uh, he states international companies trade in the currency of their home country and are subject to currency fluctuations against the U.S. dollar. Uh, My portfolio isn't outperforming the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, but it's costing me nearly $20,000 a year in expense ratio fees versus $2,000 a year had I followed Mr. Collins' advice and had my portfolio solely in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index fund. Uh, When I run these numbers out, uh, you know, over the next 20 years or so, with the power of compounding, Uh, My current portfolio is costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars in expense ratio fees. Uh, Not to mention, at no time has my portfolio outperformed the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. So my question to you guys is, why shouldn't I follow Mr. Collins' advice, uh, ditch our advisor, and go all in with the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund? All right, guys. uh, Happy New Year, and again, love listening to the show. Take care. Well, that was a mouthful. That was. That took three minutes just right there. Yeah. I wonder if he wrote that down. And he must have. The, he did. The, that was the, pretty intelligent. And read it. Uh, Michael Martin, where do we start? You start, and I'll continue. I, I think he's got a, a couple of things right and a couple of things off. Well, first of all, I like Vanguard, and I actually like that fund, too. I actually own some myself. And so do I. Full yeah. disclosure. Yeah. So we are in full agreement that the Vanguard Total U.S. Stock Market Index Fund is a very good fund. It's very low cost. 
Uh, and it comprises of just about every it's, stock it's here the, in the U.S. It's the U.S. market. You got I it. Mean, how Small, medium, value growth. Diversified U.S. market with uh, low cost. Sounds yeah, good to me. Sounds great. So let's just put all our money into it, Al. No, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we could get into the expense ratio talk in in, in a second, but l- l- let's just look at globally diversified versus not. Okay, and th- that's really what his argument is. Yeah, at because first. yeah, in other words, never do international. Because what LL Bean or whatever the hell his name is, what's his name? J L Collins. Whatever. LL Bean. It's good. It's close enough. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, well, no, just go all in on the total U.S. stock market index fund. But what Mikey Martin didn't, what he suggested was for accumulation phase. Right. So, okay, I, I, I agree with that to some degree. If you've got a couple of bucks, if you've got $10,000, $50,000, don't go into 15 different mutual funds. Right? It doesn't make any sense. It's way too expensive. Put it all in the total U.S. stock market index fund and, and let it go. I agree with that 1,000%. But as soon as you start creating a little bit more wealth for you and your family, then diversification is going to be a key component in your overall strategy. So the total U.S. market has done quite well over the last 10 years, Alan. Very much so. Right? So let's not go into international because there's currency fluctuations, there's more risk, and there could be a little bit higher fees. Of course, right? I mean, it's like, (laughs) let's just, you know, if I am investing internationally, it's going to cost me a little bit more money, a couple of bucks more, to invest in those companies, especially in emerging markets, than it would be to buy Coca-Cola. Right. Okay? So, yeah, that. So it's it, a high, it is what it is. It's a higher expense. But if you look at 2000 through 2010, when the U.S. stock market was down 10%, what was international? Yeah, they were up, I would say, on, on average, around 150%. Right, in total return. Yeah, in total return. Yeah, I, I, I had those numbers in front of me at some point. Um, I mean, some were more, some maybe were less, but, but or even high, high 100s, I mean, close to 200%. So you're loading up 100% of your wealth in one country. And we talked about this earlier in the show, is that you know, with the global market capitalization of the U.S. is only 40%, everything else is 60 So you're, you're giving up 60% of total return of, of other countries. Yeah. Well, and to me, the most striking thing is that the the uh, international stocks tend to go up and down at different times than U.S. And then, if you think of well, okay, so the international stocks did very well the first decade of this century, and and domestic stocks have done really well the second decade. Now we're not market timers, but U.S. stocks then it would stand a reason are more expensive than international. International stocks are cheaper, which means there's a future higher, higher expected, expected return. return. So I'm not going to say to market time. I'm really not. I want you to have a little bit of each. But the reason why you have international is so you have a, a smoother ride. Because the expected rate of return for an international stock is the same as it is a U.S. stock. They just tend to have different cycles. And so that's why you want to have some of both. Yeah, you want to make sure you look at correlations, too. When you have a diversified portfolio, if you have a correlation of one, it's going to move up and down together. If you have trying to get some negative correlation in regards to your overall investments, some are going to zig while others zag. That's what you want in a real true strategy. Also, how are you going to rebalance if all of your money is sitting in one fund? Sometimes smaller companies outperform larger companies. Value companies sometimes outperform growth companies. If I have one fund that's market-weighted in a giant 
you know, index fund, there's no way for me to control my risk there or take advantage of other asset classes that potentially could outperform because I have a little bit more risk. So if you take all of that into account, how do I tax loss harvest? How do I, I mean, there's so many other components to this, but if you put all of that, that is going to add up significantly more alpha or more value than the, the 20 bips that you're paying extra from the expense ratio of a mutual fund that's internationally to your total U.S. stock market index fund. So, Mikey Martin, thank you so much for your service. Um, we really appreciate you, bud. Um, and, uh, yeah. And thanks for your question. Yeah, yeah thanks for your question, kind of. We got Letitia from San Diego, Alan. Andy really wanted us to answer this question, <laughs> she did. by the way. She's curious At the break, answer. she's like, if you guys answer any other question but yeah, this, please, I'm going to be very upset. Please answer this one. So that means, <laughs> I'm being so misquoted. I that, cannot believe that means I swear. That I'm means, walking out if you don't answer this question. But that means Andy expects to retire with a million dollars. At age 65. Yeah, she's like, I'm really interested in this. <laughs> Can, uh, this... <laughs> All right. So Leticia, she writes in, if I retire with $1 million and start taking a 4% distribution for the rest of my life, starting at age 65, can you explain why I would run out of money if I'm not touching the principal on my investment? Thank you. I'm not sure why you would run out of money, Leticia. I don't think... Well, it depends on... It depends I guess, on your rate of, return. rate of return. In fact, what if the market goes down 20%? You are touching your principal to pull out the 4%. See, that? I think that's part of the misconception. The 4% is just kind of a rule of thumb as, as to what you can withdraw. And that's based upon 100 years of history that the stock market earns around 10% and bonds earn around 5%. Now, lately... Bonds have earned less, and stocks have kind of been near that amount. Yeah, it's probably two and six. But the, I mean, it, 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 that may be. There's no guarantee. The, the problem with the four percent rule is the market is is not steady, right? Some years it goes up, some years it goes down. You will be touching principal, uh, in, unless you're all fixed income, fixed in, only living off the interest. But then you're not going to be living off four percent. Right. Now, if you have 100% fixed income, you're not going to lose money on your investments per se, but you'll have a much lower lifestyle. So I guess I don't. <clears throat> if you start to so the four percent. So Letitia says I have a million dollars. I'm going to start taking four percent out of it. So that's forty thousand dollars a year. So as long as she takes forty thousand dollars or less out of the year, the probability of her not running out of money is fairly high. Yeah, for for a twenty five for year, a sixty five year old female. Yeah, for a twenty. That's likely for a twenty five year period. The longer it, it is, then it becomes a little bit less likely, but it's still it's still probable, and that's based upon historical rates of return. Because what they're looking at is that okay, well, in a sixty forty portfolio, right? They they ran thousands and thousands of iterations of what they what an individual could pull out of a portfolio from a percentage to have a sustainable distribution rate. And this is Bill Bangin, right? It He's is. right down the street, in San Diego. Yeah, El Cajon, uh, the Cajon, right? And so they came up with, if you pull out 4%, you have a high probability that you're not going to run out of money. Because on average, right, 70% of the time the market's up, 30% of the time it's down. And if you have a 60-40 split, you could probably anticipate an average rate of return of 6%. And if you take 4% out, you have a 2% buffer for inflation. So if that's where the 4% rule came about. And that's about, what, a 95% probability, Well, give or take? It's, yeah. it's not guaranteed. No, it's not a guarantee at all. I think it's it, it's not a great rule from a distribution standpoint. It's a really good rule to see how much money that you need to accumulate. 
So to, to give to get people in the ballpark. So Letitia wants to retire at sixty five. She needs forty thousand dollars from the portfolio. A good rule of thumb is to say, well, get to a million dollars or more, and you will have a high probability of creating that income from the overall portfolio. Versus sometimes people will have, you know. and they'll take $40,000 out because they heard the stock market does 10% per year. Sure. Right? So you want to look at a, it's a more of a conservative approach, but it's not like every year you're going to pull $40,000 out because, like Al said, if the market drops 25%, right, depending on what your allocation looks like, that 4% distribution rate could go to six. And then now your probability of running out of money goes higher. Yeah, so you're pulling money out while the market's down, and so it's much harder to recover then. Right. So, so, so it makes we call it sequence of returns. So, if your if your first few years of retirement the market is down quite a bit, it makes it much it makes it more likely that you're going to run out in terms of probabilities. Did that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Now I was you specifically wouldn't... interested in the fact that she said um, t- she's not going to be touching the principal. Because that is assuming then that the market is going to be making more than four percent each year during her which retirement. The probabilities which is, are there, but it's not every it's, year. Yeah, it's not now, a guarantee. If, if she had a hundred percent fixed, if she in, had a guaranteed four percent rate, rate of return, return that yes. she bought some magical product from Jack and the Beanstalk, <laughs> <laughs> or the average annuity salesman, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, because like a hundred percent fixed income portfolio would probably pay two and a half. Two and a half. Three, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. So, which means by definition, you're going to be taking out a principal to pay yourself 4%. So, you're going to have to have some in the market if you want 4%, which is not guaranteed. How about you? Can you take a 4% distribution from your portfolio every year in retirement and have your investments last as long as you do? It is really hard to know, especially when you have to navigate market volatility like we just discussed, as well as tax uncertainty, rising healthcare costs, and the future of Social Security. Our Retirement Readiness Guide can help you get on track. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download our Retirement Readiness Guide for free. It's got seven plays that will help you prepare for a successful retirement, and it won't cost you a nickel. If you have further questions about your investments and making your money last in retirement, click the Ask Joe and Al on-air banner in the show notes to send them in as a voice message or an email. Renee uh, from Maryland. He writes in, Al, I need the best of your advice. Not not, average, not the, not our normal advice. <laughs> not our normal advice that we give to people. Let's, uh, let's that step, are in combat zones. Let's step it up a little bit. <laughs> but, but the best, yeah. Stop slacking around, guys. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, gonna try to concentrate. All right. Okay. I have worked for uh, the United States Postal Service as a letter carrier for almost 12 years. Uh, my current income is about sixty-two thousand dollars paid hourly, but I did almost. last year in overtime. All right. I only have a very minimum amount saved in my TSP account, 41 grand. My employer matches 5%. I have been contributing more than 20% after taxes to my TSP and maxed it out in 2019. I tend to do that next year um, as well. That's $1,500 a month, a little bit more than 30%. What's the best way? to go with my TSB account, traditional or Roth. All my savings is currently in the Roth uh, C fund, 90%, and F fund, 10%. I'm not sure if the smart choice for the future. I'm 45, single, no kids, and have a 20-year mortgage that I plan to pay off in 10 to 12 years. 
I'd love to retire when I'm 60, 62, considering the type of work I do. 100% physical uh, to perform the job. Letter carrier, you're walking. Miles. Yeah. I wonder how many miles Renee walks. Well, I'll tell you, it'll keep you in shape, that's for sure. Keep you young. That's a, a good profession. Thinking about switching. <laughs> you would last a minute. <laughs> Bit by dogs. Yeah. yeah, I know. The mail never stops. Right. Um, I plan to go back to my home country in Central America to meet my mother and brother when uh, the time comes. Oh, well, that's kind of a weird twist to the story. Um, I made a big mistake when they made me full-time permanent at my job. I did not pay attention. I didn't know how the TSP plan worked, so I never did the correct contribution and let the time pass. Thanks so much. All right. I don't know. He's jamming away now. Well, should, yeah. should he go um, Roth or traditional, Al? Well, first of all, I would say, Renee, better late than never. So you've started and... But he's um, still young. How old is he? Yeah, I was trying to figure he's that 45. out. 45. Oh, okay. Yeah, super so, young. So he's, you're going to contribute for another 15 to 17 years? I mean, that's that's very good. And Joe's going to calculate how much you have based upon a certain rate of return. In terms of Roth versus uh, traditional um, on the TSB, I, I would say... Uh, one answer is it depends upon your tax bracket now versus what it's going to be in the future. However, um, I think in most cases, people, would, when they retire, would like to have at least some Roth. So if, if I were you, without knowing any more about your situation, I would at least allocate at least some to the Roth IRA, just so you can have some tax-free growth. Put your, um, your, uh, the C fund in that, because that's going to have higher growth. That's the common stock fund as compared to the F fund. The F fund you want to have in the, in the, uh, the traditional side. So w we need a lot more information to answer that question correctly, but, but just based upon what little I know, I would allocate at least some. So <clears throat> I think you're doing pretty good, Renee. You know, you're 45 years old, so <clears throat> you got $41,000 in the overall account. Now you're maxing the thing out, plus your 5% match. You want to work another 20-some-odd years. Um, and you want to go back to your home country in Central America. It might be a little bit cheaper than Maryland. Um, if, you do, if you keep doing what you're doing, you get a 7% rate of return, hypothetically. You're going to have a million bucks at retirement. Uh, you're going to get Social Security. You're also going to probably get a pension through the po Postal Service. Um, so so he can still take all that stuff even though he's going to be in another country, right? Sure. Yep. Uh, he's a citizen. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think you're doing fine. 45. It's not like you're 65. You want to retire in two years and, uh, you know, you got 20 some odd years left to go. Let's say you retired 67 to full retirement age. Uh, but if you want to retire at 60 or 62, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. 65, I think, is probably a pretty good number for you. Um, that's 20 years. I know, you know, lifting that bag and, and maybe you get a little, you could sort the mail in the, instead of being a letter carrier. Yeah, maybe but that's not as much fun, being a sorter. Well, it's more I fun mean, to go the, out be out in the field. Yeah, well, and Maryland, dude, it's cold there too, right? <laughs> I've never been to Maryland. It, it keeps you young because you got to get Oh, look out. at Big Al as a CPA sitting at a desk his whole it'll keep you young. And he's like, yeah. That's why I feel so Renee old. at 45 is going, yeah. I'm ready to I know. quit. He's 45. He's like, I'm spent. Get me the hell out of here. Another way to look at this is with that, if, if, the, if that's right, and I'll, I'll assume your calculations are right, Joe, million dollars. And depending upon how much your pension is, which will be all ordinary income, you actually might want to favor a little bit more in the Roth because you probably have a lot of ordinary income anyway. So that might be another consideration. Got it. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for your email, uh, Renee, in Maryland.
I don't know why we're getting all these TSP questions. Apparently, we don't know anything about the TSP. And, and by the way, your advice of saying we'll put a little bit in the F fund and this, it's that was really good. <laughs> well, actually, what do no, you think about that? Ninety percent in the no, C fund the, and ten in the yeah, F? but you, I mean, it's. How the TSP is structured, I'm not going to get into it. I, I, that's fine advice because someone's going to call me and school me. But <laughs> uh, like the, the pro rata of, of, of everything, because that plan is so cheap, it is not very efficient in regards to how you can maneuver the dollars around. You take dollars out of the account. Let's say like he's got 80% in the C fund and what what 20% in the F fund? He's got 90-10. It's 90-10. 90-10. Okay, whatever. You take a dollar out, it's going to be 90-10. You can't choose. So everything's kind of pro rata there. Um, so, But anyway, we got another one. Okay. Um, you were pointing at something else you want me to say? before Just the next you, one. Re, okay. You, you like Jackson. Yeah. From New York City. Right. This is made in New York City. Paste picante sauce. Yeah. Get a rope. Get a rope. <laughs> I thought this was from El Paso. <laughs> uh, you know your commercials. I did. I, I, I give you that. I really love that um, that commercial. Yeah. All right. What strategies can you recommend? Uh, this is Jackson, by the way. That's a pretty cool name. I yeah, like, like it. Yeah. Uh, what strategies can you recommend for penalty-free withdrawals from retirement accounts before 59 and a half? My wife and I are 32 and 29 in the 22% tax bracket and hoping to be able to retire early on our traditional 457 funds, state pension, and my Roth 403B contributions. My plan is to roll over my 403B into my Roth IRA when separated from service and using those contributions immediately to supplement. Is there any penalty for this, or are we better both contributing to pre-tax retirement accounts? Thanks. All right. Jackson, he's part of the fire movement, it sounds like. He, he wants to fire. He wants to retire He wants to early. fire up. Financial independence, retire early. Um. Here's what I would do, Jackson. You're 32, 29. You got a long way to go. 457 plans. You are eligible to take those dollars out at any age as long as you separate from service. Sounds like the wife's going to have a nice little state pension, so you can live off of that. I would not touch the 403b Roth or anything like that. I would start saving into a brokerage account, non-retirement account, right? Start building up some non-qualified assets, um, and leave the Roth and let that continue to compound and take that out at 59 and a half or 60. Uh, because you want to retire a lot earlier than that, it sounds like, right? Because he wants penalty-free action uh, before 59 and a half, and, he's, and they're, they're, they're probably saving a ton of money. They got a pension. I would um, start building up a non-qualified account. I wouldn't start blowing out of Roths early. You're ta- you have access to it's FIFO, first in, first out treatment. So, but but be careful. I mean, it's a really good account for long term. You're you're retiring early, but you're going to live a hell of a long time. So you would like to have those tax free funds uh, later in life. Starling, is it Sterling or Starling? Starling. My good buddy's named Sterling, but Starling. That's Starling. Kind of, yeah. I like that name from Hawaii. Yeah. Aloha. I'm a federal government employee, and I turned 59 and a half in two months. The age of 59 and a half comes up in just about every conversation about retirement. Can you switch the conversation to things you can and should do when you reach 59 and a half? I personally have a TSP traditional, TSP Roth, traditional IRA, and Roth IRA. I follow your show on YouTube. Okay. Can we talk about something, what you should do at 59 and a half besides retirement? Yeah, what should he do at 59 and a half? 
This is the strangest question I think I've ever... Uh, I don't know. Well, the, well, I guess we could answer it this way. The reason why 59 and a half comes up is because that's the age that you can pull money out of your IRA without penalty. You still have to pay income taxes on a, on a traditional IRA, but you don't have to pay that 10% penalty. So that's why this comes up. So a lot of folks that are But work- what should you do when you're 59 and a half, Al? Maybe you, you live in Hawaii, Darling. Maybe you play golf. It's surf. Surf. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, your, enjoy your life. Smell I, I the flowers. W- I would say there's, That's what I would do if there, I was 59 and a half I, I would say there's not that much different. That, I mean, the things that you do before are similar to after. You, you want to keep contributing to uh, your your retirement accounts. You, you can, if, if, if you feel like retiring and you can afford retiring, depending upon your federal pension and all of these sorts of things, then uh, you're going to be... You can pull money out without any penalty. So that's that's the good news. The good news is when you want to retire, now that you're 59 and a half, you can do so and take money out of your traditional IRA without penalty. Your Money, Your Wealth isn't just a podcast. It is also a TV show. Check out the YMYW TV episode on do-it-yourself planning in retirement. I've put it in the podcast show notes for you. Just click that link in your podcast app or visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com. I've also linked to our special offer, which is the companion DIY retirement planning guide. It will only be available until January 24th. So this is a special limited time offer. The 48-page DIY retirement planning guide has steps to understand and plan your retirement income, strategies for choosing a tax-efficient distribution method, tips on preparing for the unexpected, and much more. It will only be available for download until January 24th, 2020, so don't miss out. Click the link in your podcast app or visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com. We got Kenny from Granite City. He writes back in. Uh, Granite City member, Kenny? I do. Hello, Andy. He opens with that. I know. It's because he emailed me directly. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> Here with another question. Um, my state, Illinois, has a 5% flat income tax. However, the state does not tax 401k withdrawals. Based on this, should I ignore the existence of the Roth 401k and stick with the standard 401k? I appreciate the information the fellows provide in yourself for keeping them in line. <clears throat> um. Well, it's 5% savings, Kenny. Depends on how much money that you have in a retirement account because you're still going to be taxed federally. Yeah, so I guess what he's saying, if he if he continues to put money into the regular 401k, he'll get a tax deduction and save the 5% tax. And when he pulls the money out, it's tax-free in the state. So there is some advantage for sure. There's no question, Kenny. There's an advantage of, of just doing the regular. As far as your federal tax rate, though, that's usually a bigger dollar amount. Like if you're teetering between the 12% bracket and 22% bracket, uh, depending upon your income, or if you're teetering between the 24% bracket and 32, uh, you might want to do conversions while you're in those lower brackets to avoid larger brackets. That savings might be greater than 5%, but that requires a lot of calculation, I would say, to figure it out. But Kenny's like loaded. He's got a lot of money in a retirement account, if I remember correctly. You don't remember Kenny from Granite City. I do. I don't remember his situation. That was before it's, holidays. It's, oh, that, that was that was like a. Let me let me catch that, you. That was a no, decade. That's fine. That we don't a, need it. But I know that he's ago. got. But it, let's say if he's got a lot of money in a retirement account. Okay. Would 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 your advice change on that? 
Well, if he's got a lot of money in a retirement account, he's you're going to want to look at it more closely because the required minimum distribution might put him in a lot higher tax bracket, and therefore the federal the extra federal tax to pay might be greater than the state tax he would save. So I think that's yeah. The more money in the in the retirement account, the more likely you want to take a closer look at this. Yeah, I guess I sent his echo speaker off. You did. Yeah, remember that we were going. Whoop. Alexa. <laughs> See, you now it's it. me. <laughs> Alexa! You know what I mean? We did that with a couple people. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Martin yeah. texted me, said she heard that song. Uh, One Thing Right by Marshmallow. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Is that uh, what you well, asked Apparently, for? that's what you ordered. <laughs> One Thing. Uh, let's, uh, let's play that. Yeah. <laughs> One Thing Right by Marshmallow. I, that's probably my new favorite song. Probably. Um, I'm now familiar with the song One Thing Right. Uh, perhaps Al isn't quite there yet. You're probably not. No, I didn't. You don't even know who Marshmallow is. I didn't even know what an echo was. You want to see what uh, happens when we play it? Yeah, let's do it. Might get an ad. We'll see. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, we got an ad. Got an ad. Yeah. All right. Yep. Oh, well. Uh, never mind. Okay. All right. So let's go to um, uh, thanks, Kenny, Kenny, for that. I knew his name. All right. Jerry from Whittier, California. I listen to your podcast, and it's a great show. Very informative with lots of comedy. Here's some history. My wife and I are both 60. I've been retired three years and get $110,000 a year disability pension. Because of the disability, about $40,000 of it is taxable. $70,000 is tax-free. If I get hit by a bus and die... My wife will receive about $75,000 a year for my pension, with most of it being tax-free. My wife works three to four days a month, $15,000 a year, which is used for her Nordstrom's addiction. Wow, Jerry. She probably looks good, though. Uh, (laughs) You should. Who cares? Keep shopping. Uh, We both plan to take our social... Are we going to get an email from that one? Is that the thing? I don't know. Okay. All right. Just keep me in line. Uh, we both plan to take our Social Security at age 62 because we really don't need uh, to live on it. So they're going to take their Social Security at 62 because we really don't need to live on it? So That's what he's saying. Might as well take it now. Um, I will get hit with the Windfall Act, so mine will be only a few hundred dollars a month. My wife will stop working at 62 and use it for her uh, Nordstrom's. I think she will get about $1,500, $2,000 a month. The house is paid off, and the only bill, will, uh, bill we have is a one-car payment of $400 a month and pay $1,000 to pay it off faster. My wife has $250,000 in her 401k and $100,000 in a Roth. I have $550,000 in an IRA, $250,000 in a Roth, and $100,000 in a trading account. So the question is, are MGI, I guess that's Maji, yeah, modified he, adjusted. He forgot income. the A. Yeah, no A, but no, that's okay. okay. We're, we're still with you. Is roughly $31,000 a year. So we're in the lowest tax bracket. For 2019, I converted $40,000 from an IRA to a Roth IRA in hopes of staying in the lowest tax bracket. After listening to your show, you both seem uh, to like converting more um, into the tax-free. Yeah, I guess we like to convert more. I don't know how much more. I've increased the tax withholdings in my pension to cover these taxes needed to pay for this year's conversions. If I convert more than $40,000, I would need to withdraw the tax money from the Roth to cover it. <clears throat> oh, um, I would need to withdraw the tax money from the Roth to cover Okay. That's what he's saying. All right. Realize so, he sent this question on December 20th. I got so. it. Well, 
he can apply this to 2020. Uh, so should we convert more to the Roth than take a distribution to pay the taxes or stick with the 40K a year and let the pension tax withdrawal cover it? At $40,000 a year, we will never be able to convert all of the IRAs to Roth. That's assuming the IRA continues to gain in the market. My tax guy doesn't think it's a good idea to convert more and moving us into a higher tax bracket. I'm not confident that he's correct in his thinking. I hate paying taxes, but realize it has to be done. I do love the Roth. Also, we travel a lot and we'll need to take some withdrawals from our Roth to cover these trips. If you think we should convert more, how much more would you suggest? I'm not sure all of these brackets amount. Thanks for your help. Whew. <laughs> take, take a segment to read the question. I know. Um, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think, first of all, they say, he says they're both 60, and they've got money that they don't really need. So she's got a 401k with 250000 He's got uh, an IRA with two fifty. So that's about 500000 and if it's growing at 7% in 10 years, it's worth I have it. 550 in an IRA. Oh, did I get that wrong? Yep. Oh, yeah, 550. Sorry, thanks. Yep. Uh, so they have about 800000 in traditional type of accounts, which in 10 years from now, at a 7% rate of return, could be double. How old is he? 60. Yeah. So, so that's, that'd be, that'd be $1.6 million. Right. Right? So the RMD on that would be 60, 65000 something like that, first year. Um, and so add 65000 to your current income and look and see what tax bracket you're in. And that gives you an idea what you might want to convert into as far as a bracket. Also, remember that we're in lower brackets now than we're supposed to have starting in 2026 because the old tax law comes back. Yeah. A uh, couple of things. Push out Social Security. Don't take your Social Security. Um, because that's going to be added to your overall income. Now, he could probably take his because of the Windfall Elimination Act. It hardly yeah, matters. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks. Who yeah, cares? I, I, but, but, but with the wife, push the thing out. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, If she wants Nordstrom money, I get it. Take it out of the retirement account or take it out of the trading account or something like that. Uh, push that thing out just because it's adding income to the overall tax return. That's going to give you more room in those lower brackets to convert. And then all those dollars are going to compound tax-free for you. You already got the disability tax-free. Some of it's taxable. If you were to pass away, that's going to give your wife more tax-free income as well. Because all of these retirement accounts, let's say if Jerry passes, are going to be now in her name. And her RMD is going to be the same. Now she's a single taxpayer. She's going to lose more of that to taxes. Um, so we're not saying go crazy with it, but uh, I think you're right on with the 12%. The 22% probably might make some sense. It might make some sense. Plus, you say that your pension will go from $110,000 to $75,000 if you pass. be nice for your wife to have a higher Social Security benefit to cover that. Right. So um, our, I guess, take is push out Social Security, still live off of, you know, she needs Nordstrom, you know, take it from somewhere else. Um, convert to the probably the top of the 22. Do not pay the taxes from the Roth. Use other accounts to pay the tax, such as your brokerage account. Hopefully that helps, Jerry. We got Cindy calling from California. Or she's not calling, she's writing. She goes, hi, I'm Cindy from Podcast 253. <laughs> <laughs> I think she means she listened to it. Uh. She was in it. Hello, Cindy. She asked a previous question. From podcast. Oh, she was in it. We asked. We answered her question. Yes. Okay. Two, five, three. Thanks for that clarification. Uh, I'm 24 years old in California with a Roth IRA, SEP IRA, solo 401k with some Roth maxed out and make $100,000 a year. Should I do a Roth conversion from my solo 401k into my Roth IRA now? Okay. 
Cindy from Podcast 253. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, she's 24, making a hundy a year. That's pretty impressive. That is. Um, she's got a bunch of accounts. Should she do a conversion? Uh, she's in, well, a deep, if she makes a, I wonder what her taxable income is, right? If her taxable income is $100,000 a year. Yeah, let's just say it's standard deductions, which is 12000 ish She's in the 22% tax bracket? Yeah, which goes all the way to about 160000 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be okay to, well, that's actually 24% bracket, but that'd be okay to convert into that, given that she's already making this salary at 24. Yeah, the top of the 22 goes, what, 160 no, that's the top of the 24. Oh, yeah, single. for single. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, 40, so, 80. Um, so, I, so I might think about that. I might think about converting. So if you're, if you're let's just say your income's 100 and the standard deduction, I'll just round to $10,000. So your taxable income's around 90. So you got about $70,000 of room, give or take, to do a conversion. Being that you're 24 and it could grow for four decades or more tax-free, that might be a good idea. Ah, yeah, that just seems like a lot to me. I don't know how much, I forget how much Cindy from Podcast 253 has. <laughs> that's probably why we should have listened to Podcast 253. We probably should have. Yeah. Actually, that's all the information that we have about it. Okay. Um, do you do a conversion? I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I think, maybe you just, at $100,000 of income, um, God, I would maybe just switch my contributions to Roth. Uh, maybe do well, smaller what, what, con- conversions. Here's partly what it. I don't want her to spend all this money on tax that she might need as a liquid, you know. Yeah, I suppose it reserve. De- it depends on what she has in a brokerage account outside of her retirement accounts. If she's got excess dollars, then you're right. That probably makes more sense. If she, if she doesn't, in other words, if if she has to get into her emergency cash fund, that's probably not a great idea. Yeah. Because yeah, what eighty four thousand is the what the top of the twenty two percent? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thanks, Cindy, from Podcast Two Five Three. In case you hadn't noticed, Roth IRA conversions are one of Joe and Big Al's favorite topics of discussion, and by far the subject we get the most questions about here on YMYW. I've posted several Roth conversion resources in the podcast show notes, including four Roth conversion options for tax-free portfolio growth, what Joe and Big Al have to say about Rick Edelman's argument against Roth IRAs, the five-year Roth clock rules, whether it makes sense to convert all at once or over time, how a Roth conversion and social security benefits might affect one another, doing a Roth conversion this year and applying it to last year. And last but not least, you can also download the Roth IRA Basics Guide. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and you can access all of these resources for free. And if you know someone who could benefit from all this knowledge, why not share it with them too? Now, you guessed it, we still have a few more Roth conversion questions. We got Will. You remember Will? From Philly. The gas siphoner. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> this is the greatest podcast ever. Thanks, Will. You guys and gal are awesome. Um, after some more podcasts, I learned that this is the proper way to start a question. Oh, in the location, Philly, PA. That's right, Will. Stop <laughs> sucking on gas. Now we know. Um, <laughs> that was good. That, that, that was, was kind of I remember. Yeah. So the questions are, after learning Roth conversions, which can be done at any time, should I do it now? I only have maybe ten thousand um, uh, dollars. Let me see. I only have maybe ten k since last year. 
you know my family situation. Uh, but last year's AGI was around 58k, and taxable income was 34k. Uh, we do get subsidies, so how much would we convert uh, to not impact that? Okay, do we get a form from Vanguard, or do we just tell our account? Thanks again, and I repeat, uh, the greatest ever. It's very nice. Thank you, Will. Really appreciate that. I this just gave me a very large head. <laughs> We are the more, greatest podcast more ever. More than you already have? Yes, according to Will from Philly, PA. Remember, he worked full-time, part-time, overtime, half-time. He was, he was all it. over the place. Okay. He does a lot of so things. So he's, uh, he's married with one child, so that means family of three. I did look this up, Jeff. 41. So, age 41, so he's getting a, a subsidy for his health care, I yep. guess. So uh, the, the poverty rate for 2020 for a family of three is about 21000 and if you multiply that by four for 400 percent, it's about 85,000. That would be the highest modified adjusted gross income that will could have and still get a subsidy uh, for the health insurance. Although the more income you make, i.e. Roth conversion, the lower your subsidy is. But when you hit that 85,000 number, it goes away completely, the subsidy. So cool. you do want to be mindful of that. And if your income is about fifty-eight thousand dollars, and what I said was eighty-five, that's less than thirty thousand. I wouldn't even push it. I mean, the most I would do is maybe twenty additional Roth conversion. Yeah, we got Terry from Denver. Uh, greetings, all, Joe, Allen, Andy, and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you too, Terry. I was uh, walking on New Year's Eve after the market closed, and I was listening to podcast episode two five four. Was was Cindy on episode two? No, she was 253. 253. Oh, close. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Which discussed recharacterization of Roth and had either an uh aha or an uh emoji, brown emoji moment, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. For the first part of the year, I contributed to a 401k Roth. However, when I realized I was going to leave the company with severance, which boosted me into the 37% tax bracket, I switched it to traditional. Since now leaving the company, I've rolled over my 401k into an IRA and Roth, but can I recharacterize the Roth to traditional? Was it ever a possibility? Too late? I think the answer is probably no. Uh, But if there's any way to save on a tax bill, I'm all ears. Never pondered this possibility. Uh, Terry, good question. Um, and I think you answered your own question. Yeah, the, the answer is no. The, the only thing you can recharacterize these days is if you do an IRA con- uh, Roth contribution, sorry, and you don't qualify, then you have to be able to recharacterize it next year. And you find out if you qualify or not after you file your tax return and find out what your adjusted gross income is. So, but hey, you know, congratulations. You left your job. You got a nice little severance. Puts you in a little bit fat of tax bracket, but that means you probably have a little bit of cash in hand. And, um, you know. That's right. Living in Denver, probably Chilling. close to the slopes. Yeah. Skiing. skiing. Near yeah. Breckenridge. Loving it. We got James calls in, writes in uh, from Arizona. Happy New Year, YMYWT. I'm wondering if you can assist. <clears throat> hmm. All right, let's see. I did a fairly large Roth conversion in December 2019. I've listened to hundreds of your podcasts. James, you have a problem if you've listened to hundreds (laughs) of this garbage. Do we have that many? Yeah, I guess 253 means 253. Actually, we're at 255 now. We're at 255 episodes, but we're probably more than that. 
By the yeah. time this airs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering all the stuff that's in the archive that we've lost. Um, the archives. <laughs> I've listened to hundreds of your podcasts in the past few months, and I recall... Uh, in the past few months, James? Yeah. He's, hundreds people in the, binge. Oh, my God. It's called Problem Child. <laughs> and I recall that you mentioned a form to file so the IRS does not penalize me for underpayment... Um, for his uh, underestimated tax payments for the year since conversion will spike my 2019 income. Can you please advise what that IRS form is? I've searched around the IRS website, but it was useless. I do plan to go back and listen to all the podcasts again, but it would take some time to find that specific episode, so I thought I'd just ask outright. It might be a good to remind others as well. Thanks for everything you do, and best wishes in 2020. Well, James, so I'd, James, start. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend you start listening now. In another two months, you'll get the answer. <laughs> you and I were thinking the same thing. But because I'm such a good person, I'll give you the answer again. It's form 2210. 2210, 2210, 2210. That's the form that you fill out for, to uh, to calculate your underpayment penalty or to avoid an underpayment penalty. What you want to be concerned about is the last page, page four. That allows you to do what's called the annualization method. It allows you to report your income at different points throughout the year. And so if it's uneven, then you can make estimated payments based upon that uneven income. And that works really well if you get a big payoff or Roth conversion or something large at the end of the year. You just have to make that estimated payment potentially uh, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, Terry from uh, Denver might need to do that too because she got a little severance. Popped right. her in the old yeah. 37% tax bracket because of that severance. Sure. Although probably she has withholding on that, I'm guessing. Okay, never mind. <laughs> But it may not be enough. <laughs> so I keep contradicting you. Just keep talking. <laughs> In that case, she'd have to do an estimated payment. All right. So uh, that's it for us. Thank you for your email questions, folks. Keep on bringing them in. We'll try to get to them each and every week. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Big Al. I'm Joe Anderson, and we'll see you next week. Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your comments, money questions, and suggestions. We have some derails at the end of this episode. If you like the outtakes and non-financial stuff, if not, you can dump out anytime you want. We don't have a problem with that. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner from Pure, either in person or at one of our four Southern California offices in San Diego, Woodland Hills, Brea, and Irvine, or via video web meeting. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. All right, Starling. Um, I wonder if he watched uh, Kapalua. Yeah, I bet he did. Why not, huh? It's it's a great course. You ever been? Yes, I have. Have you? No. I've, you know how many times I've been to Hawaii? Oh, that's right. You went to uh, Honolulu. For like a Waikiki. day. Waikiki, yeah. And, the, and then I went to, um, yeah, I, I went there for a few days with Danny Martin. Yeah, and, that's right. I remember um, that. Yeah, well, Mikey Martin. Right. The man that knows nothing about everything. Um, <laughs> he knows a little about a lot of things. Oh, jeez. Very little. Yeah. The guy that wants to buy yesterday's winners today. Um, so. Got it. He was in town on leave. He's in the Navy. Thank you very much for your service. Um, 
Mike, senior chief, is in Japan. But he was here on leave over the holidays for about a month. It was about a month too long for me. <laughs> you play a lot of golf with him? Oh, there's, it, watching him play golf is, you you will give up the sport. <laughs> Why is that? Just just take my word okay. for it. All right. All right. I was one uh, with a long backstory, but before I ask this time-limited question, I would like to say that there are times when it seems like I'm listening to or envisioning Seth Rogen and Burrell in TJ Fine. Fine from Bones. <laughs> I guess you're Seth Rogen. I'm probably Ann Burrell, which I'm, makes you TJ Fine. Yeah. You're TJ Fine. I, I think so. Fine. Bones. Bones. TV show Bones. What are they doing? They solve cases. Oh. About that, dead people. I thought it had something to do with something else. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of the other channel that you watch. Got it. Heard, heard, <laughs> heard from my... <laughs> okay, welcome to the show, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> heard, uh, heard from when my uh, wife watches. Uh, she likes Bones. Okay. Who, who, who's Ann Burrell? She's a chef. I looked it up. She's a TV chef. Like the Food Channel or something? Yeah. Is she funny? I I've only watched a little bit to see if I actually sound like her. I don't really I, think I, that I do. I do know do, Seth Rogen is funny. I don't know about TJ. She's got this big, Fine. like, anime blonde spiky hairdo, and yeah, okay. she's, it looks like she's probably a lot of fun, but haven't actually watched him. Got it. You like Seth Rogen? I love Seth yeah, Rogen. Yeah, he's funny. That's you, Joe. I, I do love TJ Time <laughs> from Bones. He's one of my all right, um, I was going to say something, but just slipped away. Yep, nope. It's going to be good today. It's the yep. new year. It's my All right. res- that's my resolution now. To not say anything you shouldn't. Yeah, just not to get myself into trouble. So Got in it. other words, it's you and me doing the show, Al. Yeah, I would say we've, it's already happened on this podcast. 